As we continue our series in the book of Mark, today our backdrop is that of offering time in the temple. Jesus is with his disciples and he is talking to them about the ostentatious display of the pious elitists and their belief of entitlement. <laughs> yeah, you, you know how it is, you know how it is. Well, not here at Holy Happy Azure Hills, but in many churches far, far from here, in places you have not been, with people you have not met, there is this ideal where there are those who operate on the principle of the more I give, the more I'm entitled to be held in high esteem. And so we find that Jesus watches the display and he begins to notice and zero in on the offering and the givers. Well, my friends, this brings us to our text. Mark chapter 12, verse 40 through 44. Sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money into the offering collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. For the next few moments, I want to preach on the subject, my two cents. Won't you pray with me? Speak now, dear Lord, to our hearts, to our lives, that we might be filled by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The colonnade around the court of women where the Jewish treasury was housed was built of marble covered with heavy plates of gold in front and it had a rising terrace of courts that were made of marble. Uh, this was the temple. Josephus compared the temple to snow covered mountains. He said it was a conspicuous and dazzling object from every side. Another author put it this way, G.A. Smith says that Herod's temple consisted of a house divided like its predecessor into the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. He said it had a porch, an immediate forecourt with the altar of burnt offerings, a court of Israel, and in front of this, the court of women, and around the whole proceeding, a court of the Gentiles, Herod's temple. Inside the temple, the treasury consisted of 13 treasure chests. They were normally referred to as trumpets because that's what they looked like. They looked like a trumpet that was resting on its bell on the round base and the slender part coming up, narrowing at the top like the mouthpiece is where they would put the offering, the trumpets. Each trumpet had a designated use, something specific for which it was there for. The first two 
were for the half shekel temple tax that every Jew had to pay yearly. The next two were for the price of a two pigeons. Hmm, two pigeons. The fifth trumpet was to help provide wood to keep the temple fires burning. The sixth trumpet was to help to pay for the vast amount of incense that was used in the temple. The seventh trumpet was there for the upkeep of the gold plate. The last six trumpets were for thank offerings. Can you imagine having 13 offering plates? Can't you hear the questions that the deacons would receive? Hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Which offering is this? Oh, oh okay, no, no, that's not the one I want. Where, which one is the BIA? I'm waiting for the BIA. Yeah, that, that's the one that I want. Where is it again? Oh, the confusion that would be. Now, when Jews entered the temple, many of them would go straight to the treasury to give their offering. And Jesus loved to teach in this area because it gave him an instant audience. This is where we find Jesus in this text. The Bible says that he sat. Now, the fact that he sat is an indication that he's about to teach because this was the normal posture for teaching in the New Testament times. Because this area was such a public area, it was the perfect place that would encourage ostentation among a few. And it appears to be that this is what caught Jesus' attention as he was observing how the crowd tossed money into the collection. Well, because Jesus was intrigued how they tossed it, I was interested to find out just what it was about this toss. You see, in the original language, uh, uh, the word there for, for, for toss or to throw is balo. It, it is a primary verb, it means to throw. Um, depending on the application, it's less or more violent or intense. Uh, balo denotes a deliberate hurl. And it, it, it's from the, this, this Greek word tenio, which indicates it is an extension, a projection, a stretching, a putting forth. Oh, I wish somebody was with me this morning. Jesus watched how they tossed in. So this lady does not quietly tip up to the plate and place her arm all the way down inside and release her two topper coins so that no one knows or realizes how little she puts in. No, 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 no. She is not like the rich who want to be seen and they go there and stand and they hold their gold and their silver coins high and they drop them long and loudly into the trumpet so that all can not only see, but they can also hear how much they gave. No, 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 no. She's like a basketball player who's about to shoot a three-pointer. She walks and finds her spot. She extends her arm and with a deliberate hurl, she releases her coins, swished all the way to the bottom of the trumpet, all in a quick succession so that no one ever knows who it was or how little was given. You see, she wanted to give what she had and not draw any attention to herself. But oh, my friends, nothing ever goes unnoticed by Jesus. He sees and hears and draws attention to her and to what she has done.
You see, Jesus teaches that the rich gave of their abundance, meaning they had enough to spare. But she gave of her living. The Greek word there is bios. It is a primary word for life. It is literally the present state of existence. By implication, it is her means of livelihood. It is her living. It is everything she had. You see, she gave what was going to keep her alive one more day. Hmm. Real giving is sacrificial giving. Here the word poor means pauper. Uh, she was not just poor, she was destitute in poverty. Her poor dress and plain appearance showed her desperate plight. Hmm. The coins were all she had, yet she gave them in spite of her desperate need. Now, now, now note the point, note the point. What she gave was a sacrifice. What others gave was not a sacrifice. It didn't cost them or hurt them. Uh, they still had plenty left, for they gave only what they could spare. But not the widow. It cost her. It hurt her. For she gave what she could not spare. She gave what Christ calls a sacrificial gift. She sacrificed. She went without something, perhaps a meal or, or another days of, of, of things that she may have needed around the house. She gave so that she could give. Well, there's a difference between giving what one can spare and giving sacrificially. Actually, giving up something in order to give is what she did. Sacrificial giving costs something. Sacrificial giving is giving when it hurts. Uh, when a person has nothing left, when they have nothing to spare. Uh, the Bible tells us, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Deuteronomy puts it this way, every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessings of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. So real giving is measured by how much a person has left, not by how much a person gives. Jesus calls his disciples and he used this great sacrifice that the widow made to teach a much needed lesson. You see, they all had given the offering to God, both the people who had much and the poor widow who had nothing. But God measures what was kept, not what was given. <laughs> oh, you see, the widow had less remaining. The other still had so much more. The widow had given more of what she had. The others had given less of what they had. The widow had sacrificed more. The others had sacrificed less. So in proportion to what she had, the widow gave a larger percent. The others gave a smaller percent. Because think about it. After they had given, they perhaps still had 85, 90, 95 percent to spend on themselves. After she had given, she had absolutely nothing. This is the lesson Jesus was teaching, a critical lesson, because God counts what we have left, not 
what we give. He counts the amount of sacrifice, not the amount of money. The gift that matters, my friends, is a gift that costs the giver to give. For where your treasure is, the Bible says, there will your heart be also. See, what Jesus is teaching is the reason why when we have special events or special projects that are going to be launched, it should be equal sacrifice, not equal giving. You see, for some, $1,000 is nothing. It's pocket money. It's lunch money. I once asked someone one day for change for a $50 bill. They looked at me and smiled, and, 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 they, and, and I thought it was strange, and they said, I thought that was change. You see, all they carried was $100 bills. For others, $1,000 could be two weeks' income. It's not the same. One sacrifices all, one sacrifices nothing. You see, real giving seeks to have a need met. Note her words. She gave out of her want, out of her need. She did cast in everything. The rich, the Bible says, gave out of their wealth. Many who were rich put in much. And it's important to understand the Christian attitude toward riches. Jesus said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, Professor E.M. Blakelock writes it like this. The word in the Greek text is kriomata, which also means things. The root of that verb is use, and fundamentally, kriyamata are useful things. So wealth, in other words, is what we can use. And it follows that wealth is what we should use. Hmm. Hmm. So the Christian view of riches is simply that there are things to be used. Hmm. Well, many years ago, in a place perhaps you have never been and people you will never meet, I had an elder who saw me riding my bike one day, and he said, Pastor, oh, I am so sorry. I owe you an apology. I said, Elder, why do you owe me an apology? He said, because right before you moved here, I sold my Cadillac. I said, well, Elder, why do you need to apologize for me for that? He said, because I know that young pastors don't have much. They usually only have one car, and the wife uses it to go to work. And so I always kept my Cadillac so the pastor had a car to drive. Oh, my. He understood that it was a thing to be used. Therefore, the condemnation comes from Jesus on those who have useful things and are not using them. You see, in our time, we must be aware of wanting riches for the wrong reason. Because an inordinate desire for riches can be very dangerous. This widow gave out of her want. She threw in two thin coins. The widow was poor. And she gave all she had, two thin ones. It was the smallest denomination of currency, and obviously the least substantial as well. 
She gave her last two cents. So the widow is short of money, yes. And that is what she gave away. She gave what she wanted and what she needed. Oh, my friends, how much more do we still have to learn about sacrificial giving? In another church, many, many moons away from here, people you have not met, places you have not been, I had a member who came and said, Pastor, I'm going to take the spiritual gifts inventory one more time. This is going to be my third time. This has to be the trick. I took it two other times, I said, and what were the results? She said, well, they gave me some strange thing. It's not right. I need to find out what my gift is. I said, you don't know? She said, no. She said, do you know? I said, yes. She said, what is it? I said, it's giving. She said, well, it keeps telling me that, but I keep saying no because that's not a gift. I said, why not? She said, well, pastor, I give because I have a lot of money. I said, oh, my sister, that is not right. You give because it's your gift, because there are those who have money who don't give. Uh, this revelation opened her understanding and she would come to me and she would say, well, pastor, is there anything that the church needs? And I would always say, well, no, sis, we're doing good. And she'd come again, pastor, is there anything that the church needs? I hadn't noticed that it was every three months. And one time she said, pastor, I'm asking this because I receive my quarterly dividends from my stocks and I take out my 10% for tithe and I need to know what the 10% other percent goes to. Uh, that lady bought a member a car, she put a roof on the church. In another church, another example was there was a young lady who came to me and she said, Pastor, we have all these students here, pretty much like Azure Hills. All the universities around, the students came there and she said, if one of them gets sick, if something happens in their home, if they get homesick, they're gonna be in trouble. They can't get there. I work at the airport. I'm gonna to go to the airlines and I'm gonna tell them that I need tickets for students. And she came back and she handed me 15 open tickets to give to students who needed to get home. You see, giving is also stewardship, using our influence to help others. She went to the city council for someone that worked there and said, we need to have care packages for all of our students, a three-month supply for them of all the essentials. Stewardship using your influence. Well, Jesus gave out of his wisdom. The truth is, is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they will never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Once again, Jesus declares that the standard of earth and heaven are very different. He judges a gift not by the amount given, but by the motive of the giver, which tells us that the poor may be princely in spirit and that princes may be paupers. Well, that's the story. What can we make of it? It's not how you give, but that you give. Two, it's not how much you give, but why you give. Three, Jesus notices what and why you give every time. And she gave her all. As a student at Oakwood, I worked in the college market. And every three or four days, a guy would come by to get popcorn. Somehow he knew just when it was being made 
and it would be fresh. And he would come by to get a bag of popcorn, so I would begin to get his bag of popcorn together for him. So I began filling up his bag, making sure that he had popcorn, get it filled up to the top. I would fill it up. I'd say, man, here you go, here you go, man, your bag is full. And he'd say, BT, it's not full. I'd say, man, the bag is full, look at it. He said, it's not full, but you know what he would do? He would do like this. He would, he would take his hand in it, and he would press it down. And he'd say, BT, look, look, my bag's not full. Being the nice guy that I am, I would, you know, of course go and give him some more popcorn. So I would go and just fill it up again, put more in it, and I'll say, here you go, man, it's full. He said, no, BT, it's not full. And again, he would take his hand and he would press it down. I said, look, man, the bag is full. He said, come on, BT, it's not full. Being the nice guy that I am, I would take it. Of course, you know me, nice guy BT. Give him some more popcorn. Gonna make sure he's happy and pleased. Here you go, man, it's full. He said, no, he would press it down again. And then he would take the sides of it and he starts shaking it. He shake it and shake it so it would settle. He shake it and shake it. He say, BT, it's not full, it's not full. And he would do this one more time. And he say, come on BT, give me some more popcorn. Being, I'm really nice. You, of course, you know that by now. And so what did I do? I gave him more popcorn. And this time I'm gonna make sure he doesn't say it's full. So I have popcorn all the way out the top of the bag. I would look at him and say, now look, you see it's full. And I would hand it to him. He would take it. It was so full, he'd grab it, and it just flew out the top. That's what the Bible says about giving. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what the widow did with her two cents. She gave. Be like her. Give and watch how the Lord multiplies your gifts, gives them back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Won't you pray with me? We thank you, God our Father, for this text that reminds us of popcorn, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That reminds us of giving what we have to help others and for your cause. Bless us as we sacrificially give. And now in benediction, may the grace of God bless us and keep us until we meet again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen. God bless you and have a happy Sabbath.